Hello, hello, and welcome to uh, this week's Man versus Reality. Um, yeah, last week uh, we had a look at free speech because all the Twitter stuff was kicking off, and I said I was going to do this week climate change. So we're doing climate change this week. Yeah, uh, was in a little bit of a uh, more of a rush last week, so it was only well, it was the shortest one we've ever done. Still like forty-five minutes of me droning on bullshit. So yeah, you probably got pretty bored of it. Um, still, what can you do? I'm enjoying it, so there you go. Screw you. Um, yeah. So um, the free speech one, like I said, I think I said a couple of times that I wanted to come back to it. That's because I realised, like, just as I got about ten minutes into the recording, something along those lines, is that it's still like really, really ongoing. Um, the main thing that's going on at the moment is um, Elon Musk with Twitter, isn't it? Which is what brought up the whole free speech thing in the minute because his weird perverted thought on what free speech is led him to buy one of the biggest social media platforms in the world uh, and basically immediately run it into the ground he did something the other night which was supposed to be like oh my god he's been building it up for like three or four days hinting at stuff like there's going to be this massive reveal uh, all these secret twitter expose files that have been hidden from the public for so long i'm about to reveal them to you and he did the other day and it was shit and boring um, it was basically about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, um, which is uh, a story in America about the son of the president who had some dodgy things on his laptop, and it was about how Twitter handled that. Um, everybody already knew all the stuff that he was revealing, so all of the secrets had never been secrets because they've all been addressed by people who worked at Twitter at the time or used to work at Twitter because most of them have sacked or been fired now. Um yeah, and what it was basically is it boiled down to was how Twitter handled it because Twitter has a no hacked material policy. So if you receive material that was got off somebody's computer uh, without their knowledge and stolen from them illegally, then you can't post it on Twitter which seems fair enough. And when it came to all the stuff about Hunter Biden, it was originally in an article by the New York Post, I believe. Um it seemed like all the stuff had been hacked and stolen off his laptop, so Twitter basically refused to show it all, and they blocked that article in, in containing the apparently hacked stuff. I don't think it was hacked. I think that was what the big hoo-ha was. Um, but that's the same for all political parties, and because um, his weird stance on impartiality means him supporting the Republicans, he has like basically blasted the Democrats uh, again. Mr. Musk, um, which is which is what he's doing. So his his fairness and equality and impartiality is basically forcing people to see his tweets, telling people off who slag him off, firing them or banning them from Twitter, and uh, getting everybody to vote Republican. Yeah, uh, very fair and uh, unbiased. Um, the reason I want to go back to it is because it's just an ongoing saga at the minute. He can't seem to win anything. Um, his advertisers are going down and down there's an ongoing saga with uh, apple and uh, google at the minute because they have threatened to remove twitter from their app stores if their um customer protections aren't in place so all the people like um who used to work for twitter who are stopping you from like seeing child pornography or receiving death threats and all of that kind of crap they've all been sacked and binned off and twitter's regulations are changing so you can say and do pretty much anything you want on a social media site um that goes against 
Apple and Google's terms of conditions because they still want to protect their customers as much as possible. In other words, they'd get in real big trouble off the government if they let that shit fly. So they can't have an app on their website, uh, on their, on their, on their platforms. Uh, they'll let that shit fly. So that's how it is. He says he's met with the, uh, with the owner of uh, Apple and he explained their mistake. I don't know. We'll see. It's an ongoing thing. Basically, Apple owned Elon Musk the other day. It was really, really cool. Have a Google of it and have a look, but we're going to go back to it. Like, the issue is, like, talking about free speech now, it's just me slagging off Elon Musk all the time. <laughs> it's not just him, though, is it? It's him and people like him who have the opinion that freedom of speech is dead or at risk, and it isn't. And the best thing always to do is to say, all right, what can't you say that you want to say? And it's like uh, 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 something racist, something homophobic, something disgusting about like people who I don't agree with. Oh, okay. So you're just a hate-filled asswipe. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. So we will come back to that. And I will try and rein my neck in a little bit more. And we'll try to have a bit more of an objective look at free speech. But it's probably just going to be me moaning about Twitter again. I used to really love it. And it's like... Yeah, it really screwed me over. I explained in the last show about like what's gone on with my Twitter account and how I've like closed it, opened it, closed it, opened it. I think I'm just done with it now. I don't see it changing for the better anytime soon. So, yeah, screw it. Anyway, on to the world ending. More important things. Um, climate change has been in the news a hell of a lot recently, especially because the um, protesters of like Just Stop Oil um, and Extinction Rebellion have been out in force, especially like all over the UK and in London. Um, they've been throwing paint and stuff over famous paintings all over the world. I think they did some in France and, and that kind of thing um, for, to stop oil. I don't understand how that kind of correlates. Um, their excuse was it is um, just to bring awareness of the subject and what they were doing and it's like well yeah everybody knows the world's dying but no one really gives a shit um it's like a weird hopeless feeling when you start talking about climate change um listen i listen to a lot of james o'brien probably won't surprise you me being a big lefty hippie and it's he says the reason we're talking about climate change and the reason we're so angry at climate change protesters is because we're not doing anything to stop climate change um, and it angers us that those people are because we know that what they're saying is right but we don't like the way they're going about it but they've got no choice but to go about it that way because no one's listening no one's doing anything everybody slags off Greta Thunberg as an entitled oh she's a piece of crap oh it's because she's just it's just um she's just a puppet for her parents I've heard people say um she's just spouting their nonsense and stuff like that and it's like well she might be but she ain't wrong <laughs> What she's saying is right. And, like, she's got to live with this shit much longer than the rest of us. Like, I'm probably going to be dead in, like, 20, 30 years. She's got, what, 50, 60 years still left to live with this shit. And that's when everything's going to start collapsing and the real effects of climate change are going to start hitting us. I've said, like, time and time again, like, the thing I, I think about climate change is necessity is the mother of invention. All right. So as this shit gets worse and worse and it starts affecting rich people, then we will see real change. OK, people won't change the habits and won't change, won't start doing anything different or anything along those lines. But stuff will be invented to let us cope with the shit that's happening once it starts affecting rich white people. Um, 
that means that uh, humanity will survive whatever climate crisis comes through the world mainly because the people who are drilling and selling us oil right now will switch to selling us climate proof housing that we all end up living in in the future if you're lucky enough to afford it if you're not you'll just die i'm hoping that the one of us who are left like are left out mutate into uh people hungry beasts and we eat all of the rich people that have destroyed the world and now are living in secret underground bunkers but you know that's just my hope for the future everybody needs plans i'm told so so that's mine to eat rich people as a mutated uh climate monster sounds good um yeah so back to now people uh it's like there was a big okay so Let's have a look at what this was called. I think it was called COP23, but I'm not too sure. So, COP27. I think this was the big climate meeting that's just taken place. COP27 home. So, let's have a look at this. Except all. Everything's really cold in here today, so internet is going quite slow. Like the rest of us. So it was in Sharm El Sheikh, and it was a climate implementation summit. So it was basically all of the world leaders. I imagine it was 27. I think that's what the 27 in COP27 um, stands for. Presidency, there we go. Vision and mission, goals and objectives. Let's have a look at what it is. Mitigation, right. Egypt, um, Egypt golden goals, goals and vision. God damn it. I can't even read nothing today. Uh, inclusive rules based uh, inclusive rules based and ambitious so, uh, no god that just sounds ridiculous mitigation adaptation right basically it's um it's a summit to tackle climate change most of the big companies in the world go to this summit in Sharm El Sheikh and have a chat about how they're going to do climate change. Now, there was a big debate over whether it should take place because obviously people are flying in from all over the world into this one country. Um, oh, couldn't you just do it all on Skype? Well, no, they couldn't all do it on Skype, you dumbass, because there are the meetings that are going to take place in and around all the official meetings, aren't they? They'll be big like everybody getting together and everybody discussing and shouting over one another but then other countries will go into little corners and have a chat and they will do this that and the other yeah it could have been done over skype but it's ridiculous so much more gets done in person than over a computer um and it's just daft so yeah it did need it need to happen and they needed to uh meet in person let's see what it stands for okay so uh, on the 20th of november the 27th conference, right, so it was the conference, it's 27, of the parties of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. So that's what COP27 stands for. It was the 27th meeting of the UN's Framework Convention on Climate Change. Right, there we go. So that was a big meeting, decided what we were doing going forward. Um, they set new targets on, um, like, temperature as well, which is just so dumb. Because obviously climate change is to be called global warming because the world's getting warmer. Um, and that's what's causing the climate to change. Um, so what uh, they're doing, the COP organisation, have been um, deciding what we could live with, basically. My uh, idea would be none to not do any global warming, just keep things as it is. Yeah. It seems seems to be all right. We're surviving. Most of us are. Obviously, like the third world is pretty fucked. I think uh, California's been on fire for about four or five years now. Maybe we should do something about that. Um, 
But people still deny climate change, don't they? And that, so this is what we're fighting. So let's get back to the start. Let's have a Google of what climate change actually is. What is climate? What is climate psychology? Oh my God, that sounds, oh, clinical psychology. Climate change overview. So uh, UN, we spent a lot of time on the UN's uh, on the UN's website over the past few past few subjects that I've had a look at. So what is climate change? This is from UN.org. What is climate change? Climate change refers to long-term shifts in temperature and weather patterns. These shifts may be natural, such as those variations in the solar cycle. But since the 1800s, human activities have been the main driver of climate change, primarily due to the burning of fossil fuels like coal, oil and gas. Burning fossil fuels generates greenhouse gas emissions that act like a blanket wrapped around the earth, trapping in the sun's heat and raising temperatures. Examples of greenhouse gas emissions that are, caused, that are causing climate change include carbon dioxide and methane. Methane's in a, methane, a big one from cow farts, which is good. Um, and because like America eats so much beef, there's literally millions of cows and they're all tooting their little uh, butts off and it's killing us all, <laughs> which is quite quite amazing. Um, these come from using gasoline from driving a car or coal for heating a building, for example, clearing a land and a forest uh, clearing, for example, clearing land and forests can also really can also release carbon dioxide. Oh, that's quite an interesting one. So when you cut a tree down, it basically does like a death trump of carbon dioxide. Is that, is that what that means? I don't know. We'll see. You. If I remember, we'll go back. <laughs> uh, landfills and garbage are a major source of methane emissions. So all your rubbish and crap breaking down, that releases a hell of a lot of methane. Energy, industry, transport, buildings, agriculture and land use are among the main emitters. Yeah, so basically that's what climate change is. Climate change is um, burning fossil fuels generates greenhouse gas emissions that act like a blanket that wrap around the earth, trapping the sun's heat and raising the temperatures. So the sun's heat can get in, it can't get back out, it just bounces around and makes us, uh, makes us warmer. It seems like that's kind of like making the atmosphere thicker then, right? If it's not releasing energy. Hmm. That might be an interesting uh, thing to have a look at. But yeah, so... That's what it is. See if uh, we can get anything else. What is climate change due to the Met Office? Oh, this should be good. This is a UK one. Uh, so this is metoffice.gov.uk. The Met Office is basically the UK's government weather agency. It's the meteorological office. Uh, what is climate change? Climate change refers to a large-scale long-term shift in planet weather patterns and average temperatures. Climate change is a long-term shift in average weather patterns across the world. Since the mid-1800s, humans have contributed to the release of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the air that causes global temperatures to rise, resulting in long-term changes to the climate. Okay, cool. So there's like evidence of it actually going on. So what's this? Global mean temperatures, and this is a graph from 1850. So this is the global um, average temperature between 1850 and 1900 uh, in degrees C. So it looks like since about since 1850, it seems like the average temperature 
where we are now has gone up by about 1.2 degrees and it's given and it's the the graph the graph is matched there's one two three four five six there are six different lines on this graph from six different um uh, measurements independent measurements and they all match exactly the same thing so that's how you know that it's real Okay, six independent people have verified that the temperature has risen by about 1.2 degrees centigrade um, in, in what's that, 150 years? 18, 20, yeah, just over 150 years, 150, 160 years. And it's gone up sharply. It is, if you can't see this, if you're just listening to the podcast, from 1975, it increases real quick, like scary fast. Like there must be blips, so there's a blip around what nineteen between nineteen thirty and nineteen forty. So you'd be looking at like all industrial revolution type shit there. So it's all obviously the early nineteen hundreds. Oh, that is interesting. Uh, burning fossil fuels to produce energy, but also releases greenhouse gases such as carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrogen monoxide into the air over a large over time. Large quantities of these gases have built up in the atmosphere. For example, the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere rose by 40% during the 20th and, 24th and 21st century. So that's from 1900 to now. Gone up 40%. <clears throat> and is now over 400 parts per million. In 2019, the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere was higher than at any time in the last 2 million years. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. I think they do that from ice, don't they? So, like, obviously, no one... They weren't measuring it. Like, a, even, like, a couple of hundred years, they weren't measuring it. So there's no chance anyone was measuring it two million years ago. So I think they, like, bore down into ice in the Arctic and stuff and then take core samples. And then from that, they can see what the um, surrounding atmosphere was like when it was reacting on the ice. But that's fucking well good. I think it is anyway, but yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, there's another graph showing carbon dioxide uh, concentration in parts per million and how much it's gone up since 1960. Ba -ba -ba -bow. How fast is the temperature rising? Since the Industrial Revolution, the average temperature of the planet has risen by around 1 degree C. This is a rapid change in terms of our global climate system. Previous natural global changes are understood to have happened over a much longer period of time. It's also important to remember that the world is not warming evenly, so the temperature increases so the temperature increases higher than one degree C in some countries. Damn, that's crazy. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, so there's a little graph here as well showing the warmest and the coolest years. So it started in 1884, goes up to 2020. Uh, the five coolest years since then, 1892, 1888, 1885, 1963 and 1919. Oh, so that's annoying. Why is that annoying order? Huh. The five warmest years have been... Um, Oh, so it must be in order of which one was coolest. I don't know. 
So the coolest must have been 1982, and then it must have gone up to the the warmest cold temperature in 1919. So that's annoyingly because these are these five aren't in order either. So I'm assuming it goes from coolest to warmest. So the five warmest years on record so far have been 2014, 2006, 2011, 2007, 2017. They're all like a few years ago. So yeah, it's getting real fucking warm. That's pretty scary. So the greenhouse effect is the effect that we were just talking about where heat comes in from the sun but can't escape because of the, the way that the atmosphere is made up. How much warming could we see? Um, okay, here we go. How will climate change affect the UK? Our climate project, UKCP, helps us see how climate change might affect the UK in the future. In high emissions scenario, RCP 8.5, so they're obviously they've run different scenarios. Uh, we expect the UK will experience warmer and wetter winters, hotter and drier summers, more frequent and intense weather extremes. So yeah, bigger start. We've already seen all that. We're in thingy now, December now. It's it's still warm-ish. It's only started getting really cold, like in the past week. I remember all of November used to be really cold. I was working in a t-shirt last week, so it's been like that for the past few years i was working about two two years ago just before the pandemic i was working in um glasgow for a bit scotland scotland always freezing in november working outside in a t-shirt so it's already getting um hot uh warmer winters um some massive storms as well so yeah all of that's happening now um in 50 years in 50 years time by 2070 we project Winter will be between 1 and 4.5 degrees warmer and up to 30% wetter. Summers will be between 1 and 6 degrees warmer and almost 60% drier. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of droughtage that we're, uh, we're going to be seeing. Yeah. So basically... First two questions that I wanted to ask was, what is climate change? We've seen what climate change is. Um, is it man-made? Yes. <laughs> Basically, there's no no arguing about it because of the... So, obviously, climate change happens in nature, but it happens over a slower, more drawn-out period. Um, and it hasn't been since humans started doing mad stuff. Interesting, like, recently I was thinking about... Um, so, like, obviously burning fossil fuels is the biggest, most dangerous um, thing about about this. Like, the, so, like, the, and, and it's come up with kind of two non-argument. Uh, well, first non-argument, right? Whether climate change is man-made or whether cam climate change is natural. Okay, so we've just read from um, the Met Office website that it, it's man-made because all the natural climate change took 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 place over periods that were a lot more drawn out so it was a lot of a slower process since the industrial revolution that process has sped up because we've been pumping more the greenhouse gases into the atmosphere so it is man-made but that's a non-argument whether it's natural or whether it is man-made there is no denying that climate change is happening so something needs to be done about it so and what we do about it is the same thing as we do for like either or so we need to make sure that there are things that eat up green out greenhouse gases as much as possible, um, like reducing methane as much as possible. Uh, trees eat carbon dioxide, so 
plant as many trees as you can stop burning fossil fuels because that releases these poisonous gases into the world whether it's natural or whether it's man-made it's not an argument because the it's happening we need to sort it out and the solutions are the same so that's a non-argument the other kind of non the other kind of well interesting thing surrounding like the climate change and fuel fossil fuels issue that's come up in the minute has been set into motion by um basically the war two things there is a war in um putin's war in ukraine um which has severely impacted fuel prices across the world mainly like natural gas it sent the price of natural gas through the roof because we're not getting it supplied from russia anymore and they keep blowing up the pipelines that do supply europe with natural gas um so that has driven the price through the roof. And the other one is, um, I think they're called OPEC. Let's have a check. Yeah, so uh, there was a meeting of OPEC recently. So, God, they're on Russia's side as well. That's Sorry, I'm just reading a random different thing. So OPEC is basically um, a, a, um, a, a group of the richest oil producers in the world uh, who basically bone us as much as possible. They recently had a meeting to discuss reducing producing uh, reducing how much oil they produce in order to inflate the price of oil because the price of oil was going quite well quite nice they decided to cut down how much to uh, increase supply and demand and play with capitalism so if they're re they're producing less oil then the demand for oil will increase and people will get desperate and they will start paying more money for it so the price of oil goes up they can make more billions and billions of pounds so just seeing there on a cnbc website OPEC plus to consider deeper oil output cuts ahead of Russian sanctions. So because we're sanctioning Russia for their illegal war, they are punishing us by producing less oil and driving the price of oil through the roof. On top of that, there's no natural gas coming from Russia anymore because of the sanctions that we've put on them and they won't deal with it. That basically takes the climate argument out of the fossil fuels argument, okay? So the need for, for renewable energies to replace fossil fuels has never been more apparent. And now it's obviously nothing to do with the climate change argument. Obviously, it's good to get rid of fossil fuels because it's contributing to, to climate change. But if a certain amount of people and from whatever countries that they're from can hold you to ransom, surely you need to be energy independent and sufficient and the only way for most countries to do that is via renewables but that's it most countries don't have a big enough reserve of oil to see them through the foreseeable future and even if they do have a big enough reserve of oil it's sold to companies that aren't beholden to the country so it'll be like so we've got bp british petroleum they can sell their oil wherever they want they they come, they drill it out of the North Sea, and then they take it and they sell it to wherever they can get the best price. It doesn't mean they have to sell it to the country that they're getting the oil from. I mean, there'll be certain certain things that might give us um, like primary options, and they might have to sell us a certain amount first, but they can still sell it to all over the world. So the only way to get actual energy independence is to completely change to renewables. Like even without the climate change thing being an issue.
so yeah that was an interesting thing that popped into my head the other day like um putin and these oil twats have made climate change basically a non-issue when it comes to the fossil fuel debate which is which is quite nice because now it's just all about money and greedy rich people so hopefully if we can get that message out there uh it'll start galvanizing people to act and to demand renewables as much as possible yeah anyway okay right so let's see if we can find out what sector is the biggest uh, contributor which sector produces the most greenhouse gases there we go I don't want industry. I want sector, though, don't I? Yeah. Because I want it to be like, um, is it us leaving our lights on? Is it uh, companies producing things? Is it power? Is it, yeah. Oh, there we go. First thing up. So, uh, what's WRI.org? Uh, yeah, so the first thing that's come up on Google, the energy sector produces the most greenhouse gas emissions. <laughs> so it's just as simple as that. <laughs> the sector includes transportation, electricity, heating, buildings, manufacturing, and construction. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, that's it's an obvious one, that, isn't it? The energy sector, because, like... Uh, excuse me right yeah because it basically includes everything so everything needs to be transported which means burning fossil fuels everything needs to be made which means electricity burning fossil fuels power needs to be made burning fossil fuels everything is like that so the energy sector is like it's always going to be on a losing uh, thing Oh, okay, so here is sector by sector global greenhouse emissions. Uh, ourworldindata.org, and this is emissions by sector. At the very uh, top of the page, it's given us a little breakdown. Energy, electricity, heat, and transport, 73.2% of greenhouse gas emissions. Direct industrial process, 5.2% of greenhouse gas emissions. Waste. That's got to be like landfill and all that kind of thing. 3.2%. Um, agriculture, forestry, and land use, 18.4%. Now, see, the trouble with that is, so we, as um, individuals, like personal use, would be using electricity, and we'll be using heat, and we'll be using transport. So, like, the... What would it be called? The private sector, or... I don't know. So, like us generally living our lives we'd be contributing to that 73.2 percent so that makes that makes the most sense the agriculture cow farts that we were talking about before it only contributes to 18.4 percent so whenever a vegan tells you to stop eating meat because you're ruining the world you aren't <laughs> it's as simple as that that said though everything will be like everything in this sector will also have some of this sector shot down but then so will well no so that won't that won't 
but then to try uh, so the waste i'm assuming waste means um the breakdown of rubbish in oh, i bet it'll fucking tell us why don't we just click on it we're on the internet this is what we do uh right so waste 3.2% waste water 1.3% organic matter and residues from animals plants humans and their waste products can collect in the water systems when organic matter deposits uh, when organic matter decomposes right there yeah so there you go so wastewater is 1.3 percent landfills 1.9 percent wow man this is an amazing website so yeah this is our world in data emissions by sector if you're interested in this have a look because it's absolutely amazing and it breaks everything down there is a brilliant i'm gonna see if i can save this as uh yeah so it, it's given us a brilliant pie chart where it breaks down every single sector then every single sector by uh everything else so energy is the biggest one 72 73.2 Energy used in industry, 24.2%. And then it's given a breakdown of the industries as well. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, transport is 16.2%, part of the energy one. Road transport is 11.9%. Aviation is 1.9%. Jesus, man. So, like, the cars on the road are, like, 10% more than all of the planes flying in the sky. That's bonkers, isn't it? Shipping. Shipping is 1.7%. Rail is 0.4%. Uh, I can't see that. I think it says pipeline. Right, there we go. That's a bigger one, you fucking dumbass. Yeah, pipeline, 0.3%. That's really good. Energy use in buildings, right? This only accounts for 17.5%. So, residential buildings... Right, so residential buildings, okay, so all of us living at home and everything that we do, so everybody who's telling you to turn off lights and shit like that, oh yeah, you'll save the world if you turn off a fucking light, it only contributes to 10.9% of the overall greenhouse gas emissions um, from like burning fossil fuels and shit. 10.9%. So they're all complaining at us. So industry, right industry uh contributes 24 points 24.2 percent overall okay that's already twice as much and then energy use in buildings is a separate one and that commercial is 6.6 percent so really energy use in industry plus the uh commercial buildings that that are using energy at 6.6 industry contributes to 30 percent of uh of what's going on uh, of yeah of greenhouse gas emissions 30 percent is industry now like transport as well so like road transport and all that kind of thing that's probably going to be like trucks and shit like that as well as uh as everything else and then obviously shipping and aviation there that a lot of that's going to be industrial and all that kind of stuff really interesting right so let's move on um industry so why is industry there a separate sector it's got chemicals and cement cement three percent of uh 
with greenhouse gases. That's interesting. We had a look at waste, didn't we? So uh, agriculture, forestry, and land use. Uh, livestock and manure. So that is the big one that um, vegans always point to and say, oh yeah, you're destroying the world because you're eating meat. Stop eating meat, you'd save the entire planet. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, livestock and manure contributes 5.8% to greenhouse gas emissions. Eating meat is not destroying the world. Industry is. Uh, yeah, that's it. Deforestation, uh, rice cultivation, agriculture and soils and stuff like that. So cropland is only 1.4%. That's quite interesting. Um, energy in agriculture and fishing. Mm. Fugitive emissions from energy production. I wonder what the hell that means. That, that contributes 5.8%. Unallocated fuel combustion. 7.8%. That's quite interesting. So no one knows <laughs> what, <laughs> what fuel's being burnt there. Uh, what did I want to have a look at? I wanted to have a... Uh... What I want to see in a second. So it's obvious now. like So like us living our lives at home isn't really contributing a massive amount. It's contributing some, and obviously you should definitely do it. Um, do whatever you can to save energy and to not... Uh, to contribute as less as you can to greenhouse gas emissions that is obvious i'm not saying like stop doing it what i'm saying is they're all shouting at us to change light bulbs and to turn off stuff and things like that um and it's everybody else that's fucking us like 10.11 percent of the overall greenhouse gas emissions is pff, absolutely nothing so we could all do absolutely everything and 90% of greenhouse gas emissions would still be escaping into the environment. Um, yeah. I mean, it's even more important now to save as much energy as you can in your house because our personal, um, the price of our electricity has over tripled. Um, it, it, it's, I think our latest bill was like over 300 quid. And we've only just started putting the heating on as well. We've not put it on like a, a load. Um, yeah, so save as much energy as you can, but do it for yourself. Don't do it for whatever crap that they're talking. What I did want to have a look at is, say, maybe... I really like that website, by the way. That's an amazing one. Our World in Data. I'm going to have to try and remember that. I don't want to save anything as favourites or anything like that because uh, it'll just keep popping up whatever, won't um, Right, so, yeah. The biggest uh, generator of greenhouse gases is the energy sector um, and industry. Which which makes sense. Um but as per usual, we're the ones getting it in the neck. Um Yeah, we could all do with driving less and things like that. But the you see, right, so there's like really, really daft arguments in it. I mean I've been slagging off vegans and stuff, but but the reason that I have been doing that is because what'll happen afterwards. So for me, um I don't want to give up eating meat, but I don't like the thought of animals dying. I don't like the thought of them being mistreated and killed and everything along those lines and being raised just for me. Never sat well with me. Thankfully, we get to distance ourselves from that because our meat comes in a nice little packet from the shop. So we don't have to worry about all of that kind of thing. And anybody who does go into the farming industry knows exactly what they're doing. And hopefully, like, they'll, they'll um, prescribe to the 
procedures that they're supposed to by law to treat the animals as well as possible before they die but they still have to die and i still hate that so i think the future is um, meat that's grown in a lab so it's never been alive it's just a fucking slab of meat hopefully it'll get to uh, a point where the the process expands so much that anybody who's raising livestock now will be able to go into that market and start kind of producing and farming this lab-grown meat which is just like a big block that tastes exactly that, that is meat but it's like stem cell grown from stem cells and stuff so an animal doesn't have to come into being and then die the issue you've got then is millions of cows will be unwanted anymore no one will keep cows who who keeps cows for fun no one does um so the next thing that's going to happen is after we stop eating meat and move to like an industrial non-killing animals form of meat then um, the next thing will be we need to save the cows, we need to save the chickens, we need to do all this because no one wants to keep them anymore. And the world population of cows will have gone down to, from so many billion to like 12 and uh, and no one will care and everybody will be sad about that then and then they'll complain about that. And then after that it'll be something else and then after that it'll be something else and then after that it'll be something else. Some like people can't really comprehend the fact that in order to live your life you have to make an impact in some way it's you need to use things to live the only thing you can do is die and then other things will eat you so so that's it i mean like the the vegan philosophy is to to do as little damage as possible and that's basically everyone's philosophy they just don't want to like not eat meat yeah so yeah i completely lost my train of thought forgot what i was going on about um yeah, anyway, so what do I want to have a look at next? Um, ba, 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 ba. Right, so um, how much en- I wanted to have a look to see how much energy an average supermarket uses when compared with like houses. Use in the UK. Okay, so the first one has come from uh, OpenSearch.isbu.ac.uk. It's downloading a PDF, so I'm probably not going to do that. But the little snippet that's come up on um, Google. Some recent data from London also indicated that supermarkets of around 300 meters squared sales area have an energy intensity of 840 to 1200 kilowatts per meter uh, per meter squared per year right that doesn't make any sense to us does it so Got into research, supermarkets nationwide consume approximately 3% of the UK's electricity production Compared to other types of commercial buildings, supermarkets usually have one of the highest specific energy consumption for large stores. Intensity, right, so yeah, 700 kilowatts per hour per meter squared per year. That's a fucking pain in the ass. What I wanted to see was like...
how many, how many houses is that? Right, so if that's so if that's the average there, so if it's like say between eight forty and twelve hundred kilowatts per hour per meter squared per year, that's the average supermarket. So if I put uh, how much energy does the average house put that in, and then But it's not in the same. This works out at 242 kilowatts of electricity per month. It's not the same measurement, is it though? They've not done it. So they've done kilowatts per hour, but they've not done per hour per meter squared. Got it, I take um See if I can just Yeah, so it's a lot. The reason why I wanted to look up supermarkets is because most supermarkets are about the size of two football pitches and they have a massive flat open spaced roof and most of them have nothing on it so why doesn't every supermarket have a field of um energy production stuff on the top so solar panels um wind turbines whatever else that they can find to stick on the roof to pr produce as much energy as possible what i wanted to find all right so there we go supermarket let's have a look at this so this is save money cut carbon.com has it highlighted the save money cut carbon.com supermarket fridges consume enough electrical power to there we go. Supermarket fridges consume enough electricity to power 800,000 homes. That's a good one there. UK supermarkets can help save the planet by covering energy-wasting open fridges, campaigners say. <clears throat> it's estimated that supermarket fridges consume around 1% of the country's electricity, enough power for 800,000 homes. Right, so that's that's quite an interesting one that so all supermarkets um uh, a study backed by the department of environment food and rural affairs found that the whole of the retail sector the retail food sector uses around three percent of the entire annual uk's electricity output okay so not just the fridges everything else so if one percent is enough to power eight hundred thousand homes then that's 800 uh times three in it so that's what's that uh one million six hundred thousand 
uh, plus another 800,000, that's 2,400,000. So that's 2,400,000 homes can be powered by the uh, amount of energy taken up by supermarkets every year. That's quite a friggin' lot, isn't it? I wonder how many homes there are in the UK. Twenty-four point seven. Okay, cool. So that's uh, yeah. So that is what's that come from? Number of dwellings in England. So this is just in England. Okay, so it's not in the UK then. So was that the supermarket estimate? Yeah. So that's for all of the UK. So just in England, there are twenty-four point seven million dwellings as of March thirty-first, twenty twenty. And that's from uh, Statista.com. So that's all the statics. Uh, statistics, basically. Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Perping again. It's just what you want down your ears. Uh, yeah. So what did I say? Um, 2.4 million homes could be powered by all of the electricity used up between all of the supermarkets. Um Wow, it's broken it down to everything. So uh, Tesco's, there's 2,653 Tesco's. Wow, that's cool. Uh, 1,412 Sainsbury's, 750 Aldi, 700 Lidl. Three more rows. Uh, 646 Asda. Uh, 491 Morrisons and 353 Waitrose. Uh, a total number of stores of 2,600. Oh no, that's just thingy in it. So the total number is what? 1, 2, uh, 3, 4, 5, 6. There's about 7,000. Altogether, about 7,000 supermarkets. That, that's seven, wow. Now that is a hell of a lot, isn't it? So that's 7,000 supermarkets. Right, so let's work this out. I'm going a little bit mental here. So it's around 7,000 supermarkets in the UK. Uh, like, like big chain store supermarkets. Calculator. There she is. So, right, how do I work this out? So, there's two points. I said there was two, four. No, that's 24 million. There we go. 2.4 million homes that could be powered by right now start all that again okay so one percent of the uk's electricity output is enough to power eight hundred thousand homes so the total output is three percent so that's three times eight hundred thousand 
So let's do three times 800,000. 2.4 million. Excellent. There are roughly. So that's two, two, three, four, five, six, around seven thousand. <clears throat> yeah, so just shy of seven thousand supermarkets. Divide that by seven. Three hundred and forty-two point eight homes. So each supermarket uses enough energy per year to power three hundred and forty-two point eight homes. That's quite a bit, isn't it? I thought it might have been more. I'm glad it isn't. Um, but as I said before, the reason why I'm pointing this out is because pretty much every single supermarket that you see, and every single shopping centre for that matter, like um, there's a lot in. Uh, around everywhere in the country why am i describing shopping centers to you you know where they've got like all the big electrical stores and everything like that and they're all in a row and they've got cinemas there and shit like that they've all just got massive flat roofs that's like acres and acres of roof uh, of room why aren't they just covered in solar panels and and wind turbines and everything like that to generate clean renewable electricity it's absolutely ridiculous like oh boggles my imagination i don't get it well, i do get it it's money isn't it literally the only reason that you have an electricity bill in 2022 is because the oil and gas companies have paid off every single government in the country because what should have happened is as soon as renewable energy came along it should have been the norm straight away you should it should have just been every single country is fully renewable now and it's all government owned so there are no oil and gas companies anywhere in the world and we're all just going to power ourselves and all you have to do is pay a little maintenance fee per month to make sure the network keeps running on time and to pay the people who work for the network that's all you should be doing at this time but you don't because the richest and greediest people in the world are the people who produce renewable um, non-renewable fuels fossil fuels and they've paid off every single government in the world so what are we supposed to do about that absolutely ridiculous right so if climate change carries on how long do we have and that's what i wanted to ask continues at current rates how long do we have boom the climate is climate catastrophe really 10 years away oh damn uh climate nasa.gov is it too late to prevent climate change so this is from uh the nasa website yeah it is global climate change is it too late to prevent climate change humans have caused <laughs> humans have caused a major climate crisis to happen already uh, uh we have set in motion as to change it still without major action to reduce emissions global temperature is on track to rise by 2.5 degrees c to rise between by 2.5 to 4.5 degrees c by 2100 according to the latest estimates fucking hell that's scary isn't it but it may not be too late to avoid or limit the worst effects of climate change. Uh, responding to climate change will avoid a two-tier approach. 
mitigation, reduction in the flow of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, adaptation, learning to live with and adapt to the climate change that has already been set in motion. The key question is, what will our emissions of carbon dioxide and other pollutants be like in years to come? Right. So, what I was saying before, we're basically screwed and we need to adapt to survive. <laughs> is what it's saying, basically. We need to live differently. Um, Ah, oh my God. This, uh, it's climate catastrophe. Really 10 years away. So it's uh, some... Uh, some statements that have been put into this. Uh, this is a... Uh, from the uh, FraserInstitute.org. Uh, this is a PDF file called is climate change uh catastrophe really 10 years away uh, these are some quotes from the top uh peter james spielman a senior un environmental official says the entire says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth if the global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000 crap that was said in 1989 that first one um David Adam, in 2007, said, uh, UN scientists warn time is running out to tackle, tackle global warming. Scientists say eight years left to avoid the worst effects. Uh, Sophie Scholder, Scholder, Schroeder. <laughs> uh, IPCC climate report gives us 10 years to save the world. That was in 2018. So we've got six left. Uh, John Bowden, uh, writing for The Hill. Ocasio-Cortez. World will end in 12 years if climate change is not addressed. Laura Patterson, Post. Uh, we have 10 years left to save the world, say climate experts. Interesting. Scary. Uh npr.org climate change report the earth has 11 years when was that written 2021 so we do have 10 years how the world will look if we don't address climate change this is time i'm assuming this is time magazine yep looks like it and show me what you need to show me except i don't want a free account no everybody go away I don't wanna. Uh, making me sign in and stuff. Go fuck yourself. Uh, no, go away, time. Bollocks to you. I did, ironically, we don't have time. Block, bitch. Yeah. It's complicated. I don't know. Come back one, two, five. Climate change, what happens in 2100? So that last report that we just read said that it could raise between 2.5 and 4.5 degrees by 2100. 25 years and beyond.
Oh, Jesus Christ. So that sentence there says, the majority of CO2 emitted from burning a single coal ton of coal or oil today will be absorbed over a few centuries by the oceans and vegetation. The remaining 25% will still be affecting the climate in a thousand years. Fuck. That's scary. The Copenhagen diagnosis. That sounds good. The carbon that we release in the atmosphere today is in the process of programming a potential 2 to 5 metre sea level rise. Fucking hell. Uh, by the year 2300. We'll all be dead by then, but, you know. Future ethics. So it seems to be like a general consensus from people who know what they're talking about is if we don't pull our fingers out of our ass and do something about now, in 10 years, we're going to start seeing the really serious effects of climate change. I did hear somebody say something the other day. Let's have a Google and see something like that. Um, when... When will the equator become uninhabitable? Because so the equator is obviously the warmest place on Earth, isn't it? So that's going to become warm first. Somebody said the the most imminent crisis is going to be climate refugees when um, that starts to become uninhabitable because obviously millions and millions of people live around the equator, the central line in the Earth. And once that gets too hot, for people to live and to grow crops and to have water at they're going to spread out they're going to move north or south depending on whereabouts they are in the world um and we're going to have to put up with like a good few million more refugees and you know how the world treats refugees right now we're kind of all dicks so we need to sort that out if we're going to uh uh do anything nice climate change explained will the tropics eventually become uninhabitable heat stress there was didn't it used to do like a nice little highlighted bit for us for the bit that we were just about to read but it's not is it When was this written? Author, it tells us when. Uh, there we go. September 15th, 2020. What is the impact of temperature increases in the tropics? In the tropics? How likely is it that regions along the equator will be uninhabitable due to high wet bulb? High wet bulb temperatures? I don't get what that means. Yeah. High wet bulb temperatures such as 35 degrees C and more in places like Singapore. Do we have models that suggest how likely it is and what are the time frames? More than 3.3 billion people live in the tropics. Okay, so that's a lot more than a few million that I was suggesting. 3.3 billion in a world of 8 billion. That's a lot of fucking people. It's not too far off half ridiculous they're all going to be coming north and south so you're thinking you a few ukrainians or a few asylum seekers in the nova tilt down the fucking road is an issue wait until there's 3.3 billion of the poor bastards that have got no heads to live <laughs> uh 
uh, represented about 40% of the world's population. Despite some areas of affluence, such as Singapore, the tropics are also home to about 85% of the world's poorest people, and therefore particularly susceptible to the impact of climate change. They're the poorest people due to lack of resources, due to living in the hottest places in the world, which is in the equator, which is going to get hotter quicker than the rest of the world, which is going to fuck them more, which is going to fuck all of us more. So, yeah, we really, really do need to be <laughs> doing something about it. Uh-huh. Tropics are expected uh, to experience rising temperatures and changes to rainfall and the question of whether this could make the reason of uninhabitable and how it happens. Right, let's skip down and see if there's a conclusion. Hot in the city. Dirty bastard. Deadly heat. In summary, while absolute temperatures are expected to rise more slowly in the tropics when compared to the higher latitudes and polar regions, that's an interesting one, the combination of heat and rising humidity will make life challenging, but not impossible. Now that is interesting. This seems to go up to about 2090. I can see the date there. Uh, predictions for Darwin in northern Australia suggest an increase in days with temperatures above 35 degrees C from 11 days a year in 2015 to 43 fucking hell, 43 days under mid-range emissions scenarios. So it, that's if we reduce um, our emissions to like a mid-range level. It'll increase from 11 days a year being above 35 degrees C to 43 days a year being above 40, um, 35 degrees C. And that's fucking hot. Um, IPCC, da 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 da. By 2030. Right, so that was 2015 when that was said. We're in 2022 now, so that's in seven years. I wonder what it is now. Wasn't this written in 2020, though? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and an average of 111 days by 2090. Under higher emission scenarios, the average of 265 days above 35 degrees C could be reached by 2090. So if we don't do anything, Darwin is screwed <laughs> for 265 days of the year. It's going to be above 35 degrees C. It is ridiculous. Our house heating, because the missus is cold, all the freaking time tends to be on 21 and that is mint that's basically room temperature in the uk about 21 degrees c so 35 is nuts everybody's going to be sweating out in australia that's quite crazy so let's see then ah no i won't bother googling that yeah so Yeah, um, I think that's about it for what I, to, what I wanted to have a look at in climate change. So there isn't really an argument against it. It's happening. We all know it's happening. The only arguments that people seem to be putting up against it is, uh, is it man-made or is it uh, human-influenced? All the evidence points to the fact that it's human influence, but the fact is it doesn't make a fucking difference because we still need to do something about it. What do we do about it? We uh, reduce emissions. We use less burning of fossil fuels, which means us all driving less and all of that kind of uh, gubbins. Um, we hold industries accountable. 
um, industries aren't going to spend money making themselves greener unless the government forces them to do it. So it needs legislation from governments. Um, even without climate crisis going on, the argument to move away from fossil fuels is still the only argument that there is. We can't be beholden to like different countries, especially when they're megalomaniacal maniacs. The reason that we need to stand with Ukraine so much is to show people that they can't do this kind of shit anymore. It's 2020. You can't just invade another country for absolutely no reason whatsoever just because you want it. That's that's what the entire war in Ukraine represents. Personally, I think that NATO should have been on Ukraine's side from the start, and as soon as one Russian boot set foot in Ukraine, they should have pushed them back. Thankfully for us, Ukraine are well hard um, and have managed to do the job for us. The only scary bit where we are now, it looks like Russia are pulling back from everywhere, but if they're pulling all their people out, it might mean they're just about to drop a nuke on Ukraine, which is terrifying. Other than that, like China seems to be gearing up for war and everything. But anyway, yeah. So China are like the worst. Okay, right. One last Google Ops. Let's have a look at this. What country produces the most greenhouse gases? the most greenhouse gas emissions there we go so i wanted to have a look at there we go china us india russia uh well what's this this is uh investopedia.com five countries that produce the most carbon dioxide china is the largest uh emitter of carbon dioxide gases in the world with 10,668 metric tons emitted in 2020 the US is the second largest emitter of CO2 uh, with 4,713 4, million metric tons of total carbon dioxide. Right, yeah, so there you go. China and then the US. So that was that 2019 data is just underneath I'm looking at, which is a bit less, so they've increased the production uh, and it's getting even bigger so it's going up by about uh 1000 million metric tons per year china um us looks like it's falling which is quite nice not by much but it looks like it's falling by like a little smidgen midgen bit uh, yeah, so that's it. So these countries need to... China. It makes sense because China's basically the biggest. Man... It's the manufacturer of the world, isn't it? Because they have such awful uh, workers' rights, um, and they're all so poor. The rest of the world exploits them to make everything that they can for as cheap as possible. So if you've got a big company and you need some manufacturing doing, get the Chinese to make it. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. So basically, we've got about 10 years left to do something about it. Nothing's going to get done about it um, until it starts affecting rich white people. And even then, nothing's going to change, but there will be ways to protect them. It's as simple as that. We're, we're done. We're screwed. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, 
summing up, like I was saying before, um, there is no argument against climate change. Uh, whether it's uh, whether you think it's man-made or whether you think it's natural, it doesn't matter. We still need to sort it out. The way we sort both of those issues out is the exact same. Um, there is no argument in favour of fossil fuels anymore, uh, apart from the fact that it, if you're making billions and billions of pounds per year from them that's the only argument for fossil fuels because they are uh, controlled and dictated by psychopaths that we need to get out who are uh, basically poisoning the entire world to make money and have bribed every single leader of every single country of the entire world uh, in order to continue making money so the argument for moving against fossil fuels is a massively obvious one uh, more needs to be done Turning off light bulbs in your house isn't really going to make that much of an effect. Eating less meat isn't really going to make that much of an effect at all. Um, its industry needs to be completely overhauled and changed. Uh, the way we transport ourselves and things needs to be completely overhauled and changed. Um, all of us driving electric cars is kind of pointless because uh, batteries in, say, 20 years that's going to be a big issue. Uh, lithium mining is already a big issue for the environment. All of the plastics that go into making these cars um, are ridiculous pollutants. Um, and on top of that, uh, you've got to charge it with electricity that's made from burning fossil fuels. So it renders the whole thing completely friggin' pointless, doesn't it? If you're still building, if you're still burning fossil, I saw something the other day, which was an article about a wind farm surrounding an oil gas rig. So the oil gas rig ran off clean wind energy to drill for natural gas. It's like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. That natural gas is going to be burnt to make electricity. So why don't you just use the electricity from the wind farm to replace that electricity? Like the big thing, um, the big issue that we've got um, with uh, renewable electricity is storage. Okay, so... It has to be like battery storage or something along those lines. And the good thing about burning fossil fuels is it can change with demand. So if there's a massive demand on uh, on the grid and a lot more people need a lot more electricity, then they can just turn on two or three more gas generators and make that electricity and then supply to the demand. If the demand drops off, they can turn off the generators and there is a lot of control that way. Whereas uh, with renewable energy, it's producing electricity all the time. Sometimes you're not going to need it, so it's just going to sit there doing nothing. Sometimes you might need a hell of a lot of it and there might not be wind or solar there to do it. So what we need to do is figure out a way to store the electricity that is peak production times. So when there's a lot of wind, a lot of sunshine, producing a lot of that kind of electricity we need to be able to store that when it's not being used by people so it can be fed into the grid when it is to be used by people uh, nuclear is one of the best ways of doing that but even that has got its issues doesn't it there's ways now of um, treating and um, altering nuclear waste so it's a hell of a lot better for the environment so the nuclear waste thing isn't really an option anymore so yeah it's basically power storage um which is always an issue. Someone came up with the best idea that I'd heard, which was any additional power that isn't being used from wind or solar should be used to pump water 
up to the top of a dam and then be stored there as potential electricity and then if you need that electricity at any point say there's a low production time and a high demand or there's a higher demand that can be coped with then we've got a lot of water stored up that can be pumped through a dam to turn turbines to create a lot more electricity to cope with the use that's the best one i've heard so far other than that is stuff like wave and um and and water electricity so putting water turbines in rivers i don't understand why all rivers don't have water turbines all the way down the length of them oh it'll spoil the scenery yeah well britain being on fire or two foot underwater is going to spoil the scenery a lot more and on top of that think about how much you hate refugees if 40 percent of the world's population become climate refugees how much are you going to hate them then it's your arguments just come to absolutely nothing. It's more important to save the world than it is for shit to look nice now. And there's all there's ways to do it. Like put it in nice looking farmhouses and shit. Put it underneath bridges that already exist so no one can see it. It's it's just excuses for people to keep making money out of fossil fuels. That is all it is. That's the only reason we're not completely using renewables, saving the world, is just excuses for people to keep making money. What we need to do is find a way of using carbon dioxide to make millions and millions of pounds. Because then what will happen is all of the big companies will find the best way possible to suck all the carbon dioxide out of the air or like methane um, and all the other greenhouse gases. Uh, we need to find an, an amazing way to profit off them and an easy way to extract it from the air so these people can still carry on making their millions but they're actually saving the environment while they're doing it. That's the only way that we're going to stop climate change. Other than that, in 50 years we're all going to be living in domes. Um, but we will live through it to end on a positive note. The world won't, but we will. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's the positivity it is. Someone wrote today, um, isn't it really good that uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter and we all got to watch him run that before any of us followed him to Mars? Because that's the idea of the richest man in the world is not to save this planet that we're on, where we all live now and where everything already is, but to start a new planet. And that's that basically sums up their mindset in it. Well, mainly also because he's a megalomaniacal nutcase who wants to run an entire planet full of people that are all beholden to him. And if he runs it anyway, like he runs his business, he'll basically be like Cohagen from um, Total Recall. And he will be turning off your air if you speak up against him. Because that's what he does. Anybody who speaks up against him in his business gets fired. I'm really mad at Elon Musk. Is the main thing that you're going to be taking away from these past two shows but yeah good we all should be imagine having enough money to change the entire world and then choosing not to and then choosing to be a hateful dickhead instead anyway that's all for me today thanks very much for listening or watching or however you did it uh quite a good one quite a lot of information came through today um managed not to ramble on too much kind of did quite a lot but you know it's just what i do in it but uh, yeah, anyway, thanks a lot. Uh, I'll see you again soon. Thank you.